Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here, and I am talking today to Lisa Manning, who is the host and member success manager over at Harvest Host. Now, Harvest Hosts connects thousands of RVers with farms, wineries, breweries, golf courses, and attractions to support local business. And the cool thing is it's always free for the hosts. So Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Hey there, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing great. Um, And Lisa, actually, we've met before this, and we had met in just um, another world that we're both in. And then I forget, did you reach out or did I reach out when you started diving into this? Um, I think I discovered it or anyway, we connected and I was like, this is so cool. And I said, we've got to get you on the podcast Um, because one of the reasons is one of the farms we work with, he was, he came up for lunch, was sitting at our table and he said, you know, Michael, I'm doing this really cool program. You can't tell anyone about because it's, I'm killing it. He's like, I'm using this program called Harvest Hosts and like, I'm getting 10 RVers a day showing up at my, uh, my site and they're spending money in my store and it's awesome. And then I think I reached back out to you and I was like, uh, we got to talk about this further. Yep. That's exactly what happened. So now he told you not to tell anyone you're telling all the other farmers that, you know, this is great. This is wonderful for us. So. so Lisa, give us a little bit of history of the company. How did Harvest Host start? About 10 and a half years ago, a couple named Don and Kim Green had gone over to Europe and they do something very similar with farms and wineries over in Europe. And so they came back to the United States. There was nobody doing it here in the United States. And they put together a membership program. They didn't have nearly as many hosts as we have now, but they started at $25 a month or a year for RVers who would park on the few farms and wineries that they had. And they slowly started adding, you know, breweries, farms, museums. They were really big on aeronautical museums and vehicle museums, automobile museums. So they added all that. And then in 2018, Joel Holland and his wife, Mary Ashley, purchased the company from Don and Kim, and they have just grown it exponentially since that time. Right after they uh, started the company, or right after he bought the company, they hired me. And then from there, we have gone in the last two and a half years, we've added 11, 12 more employees and lots more hosts and lots more members and it's been a little fun roller coaster ride and we've had a great time doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So share with us, how does the process work? I know people are like, okay, RVers on my farm. What does this all entail? Okay. So a farm, let's say that a farm signs up to be a host. We process the application and we just make sure we look at your lot on Google maps. We make sure that you have enough space to fit RVers. And we do like that you have products to sell because we do want it to be a reciprocal transaction. If an RV is going to come and stay on your property, then we want to make sure that you have something that you can sell to them. They call you, they make an RV or calls you, makes a reservation, and they come to your location, spend the night. We ask them to be fully self-contained. They have to have their own toilet. They have to have their own cooking facilities. We tell them they're not allowed to make bonfires. This is not a campground. This is an overnight stay from they're on their way from California to Tennessee and they want to stop along the way and sleep. This is perfect for them to stop, have some scenery, grab some fresh eggs and produce and meat and 
or you know from the farms in particular and just move on their way the next day so we want them to be completely self-reliant so they're not bugging them for bathrooms or anything like that mm -hmm. and they spend the night and you get to meet some you know great members and then they move on their way so with this too, um, you could you could also cater to this where you could do farm tours with people like this. I mean, having an on-farm store is ideal because they can just go in there and shop. Um, you could do all sorts of things with these people. And I know like they're doing other things as well. So like you said, museums are doing this as well, um, but it's really just provide a place for them to stay. And one of the things is that the, the site is free, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, so, so what you do is we give our hosts uh, an entire page of information on our website. So they get their own page. So every farm, every business that's included on our website gets an entire page of information. It has social media links. It has a link to your website. It has all, you know, description. You can edit that however you want. Pictures. When anybody stays at your location, they get the opportunity to make a review. So reviews uh -huh. are on there. Lots of pictures. Our members upload a ton of pictures to the different host sites. And um, you know, we ask that our members make a purchase and that they make reviews of you, not just on our site. Of course, we love to have reviews on our site, but if they had a great stay, then review us, re you know, review the farm on Google, review the farm on Trustpilot or TripAdvisor, anywhere that they're out there, you know, Facebook, social media, anywhere that they're doing reviews, they can just copy and paste those reviews into all the different social media to not only help out with purchases, but also to help out with getting their rankings up and, you know, mm -hmm. showing goodwill for the host that they're visiting. So what are the demographics of the RV members? About 38% of our members are 55 and up, but, okay. and we have 42% that are 65 and older. So we have an older demographic on our member base, but then we do have about 12 and a half percent of our members are between the ages of 45 and 54. So a good majority of our members are um, retired or, or now that we can all work remotely, we're all working remotely. We have retirees, we have full-time families on the road. We do have some of those that have kids. We have influencers, speakers, traveling medical professionals are out there traveling around. Um, and again, now that we're remote, we have lots of traveling professionals out there and other remote, remote workers. And then we just have people that live full-time in their RVs or are vacationing or whatever. Very cool. So what type of farms do you currently have as host locations? We have lots. We have lavender farms, alpaca farms. We have orchards, apple farms. We have lots of agricultural meat farms, dairy farms, cheese farms. Um, just about every type of farm out there, we've got one that's represented in our company. So lots of different types of farms. Very cool. And what are the requirements to be a host location? So like what makes it a right fit? Well, we ask that you have a business license and insurance and that you have some kind of product to sell. As I said, we want it to be a reciprocal transaction so that you feel like you've gotten something out of the program. We prefer that you have a website and or social media. If you just have a Facebook page, that's fine. If you just have a website, but no social media, that's fine. We would like some kind of web presence. And that is really only because our members like to research and do their investigations and find out where they want to stay. So some kind of web presence is good. We do have a few of our farms and locations that don't have a web presence. So that's not a, you know, it, it's not a, we will work with you if you don't. Um, we obviously, you need to have parking and accessibility. You can pick what size RV that you'd like to stay on your property and then just make your employees aware, hey, we're going to get some phone calls about this. We're going to get some RVs that come in and stay. 
Um, other than that, we really don't have a lot of requirements because as I said, we do require that our members be fully self-reliant, self-sufficient. And so, but now that's not to say that if you don't have a hookup for an RV, if you have electricity and water hookups, you can add, so we ask that they give our members one night stay overnight without any cost. However, if you have water, if you have electricity, or if you want to allow them to spend extra time on your farm, then you can certainly charge for any of those things. Ah, uh, that makes sense. So what is the size too of the pad that they need to be able to park in? Because I know that's one of the things too, like uh, some farms need that, you need to have like, uh, RVs are heavy, so you need to have a place that can support them and just certain number of square footage. We don't require a pad at all. They can park on gravel, depending on your grass location, they can park on grass as long as it's level. They can park in a regular parking lot. So there is no pad requirement. We like to say that RVs are different sizes. So if you can fit like a FedEx truck, then you can fit this size RV. If you can fit a UPS truck, then you can fit a little bit bigger RV. If you can fit a tractor trailer on your property, then you can probably fit a fifth wheel. So just kind of depends on how big your space is. And we can give recommendations based on, you know, tell us if you can fit a van or a FedEx truck or a UPS truck or a tractor trailer, and we'll tell you what size RV you can fit. Now, the one thing they do have to consider is if they're driving down a lane that maybe has branches overhead that you know, might scrape an RV, if they have that is something to consider, or if they have tight turns into gates, those are some different considerations that, that the farmers do need to consider because our RVs, you know, some of our RVs are $150,000, $200,000 vehicles. And so they don't want to, you know, scrape up their RV driving down the road with limbs overhead or scrape up their RV on the fence on a re really narrow gate trying to get in. So that is, a that is probably the bigger consideration than where they can park because most farms have enough space that they can park. Absolutely. So how does this affect the towns where the hosts are located? Well, it's really actually, in our opinion, we think it's really benefits the town because when these RVs are rolling through, they need to buy fuel. Some of our RVs are ginormous and it might cost $100, $150 to fill up their tanks. So they're buying fuel, they're stopping at local um, restaurants and grabbing dinner on the way out of town or breakfast on the way out of town. They are purchasing groceries at the grocery store, stopping at Walmart. So they are making purchases while they're there. And then a lot of times they'll stop and visit local attractions. And if they like the town enough, we've heard a lot of members say, hey, we loved it so much. We just camped, you know, stayed over at a campground and stayed for the week. So a lot of it, it does bring some income into the town in addition to bringing some income into your local farms. Uh -huh, absolutely. And how has COVID affected the hosts in the program? Oh my gosh. So what a big surprise COVID has been because when COVID was first announced and we all started hunkering down and quarantining, it was really, we were really concerned because nobody was traveling, obviously. Well, then RV sales started going like through the roof, skyrocketing. And our, our members, we just did a survey and we had a crazy amount of people who answered, over 7,000 people who answered our survey. And it was members and people who just own RVs but aren't necessarily members. And what they told us is that they feel much safer traveling in an RV and not staying in a hotel and mm -hmm. not traveling on an airplane. So that's why RVs sales have skyrocketed. And so what a lot of our hosts found, especially like some of our wineries in California, they weren't even allowed to, they weren't allowed to have anybody come to their property. They weren't doing any wine tastings. They weren't doing anything. And so our people, our RVs were coming, our members were coming, parking, and they were just delivering stuff to the RV. So it was contact free. 
they would drop a case of wine outside or some meat and produce outside the RV door and walk away and they would pay online or send them an invoice and they would pay that way. So we had so many stories over the past probably nine months, year that have said, hey, if it hadn't been for Harvest Host, we would not have made it in business because our members are out there traveling and some of them have to travel for work. And so it's been a really big thing. Some of them, you know, we still have a lot of full-time families who live in these RVs. And so it's been really great for our host to see the income has not dropped because our members have been able to provide, well, our member base has gone up, their customer base has gone down. And so it's evened out a little bit and they've been able to still maintain a really good income to help with the drop in income that they've had from COVID sales. And the thing too about the uh, your demographic too is the older demographic typically has more money uh, to spend on these farm products. Um, and you know they're the ones buying the case of wine and all this kind of stuff too. So that's a really cool aspect too. Yes, you have some young families and that's all well and great, but you're getting a great demographic of the older folks that are just more of a leisurely, they're there to experience it and not just rushing through. Of the people who answered our survey, um, we had 34% that said they made over $100,000 a year. And we had 18% who said they made over $200,000 a year. So wow. our veers where people think, you know, we get some people who are concerned because Harvest House is coming into a farm near them and they're very upset because they don't want what they call vagabonds going through. And we're like, I don't think you understand. You don't drive a $100,000 RV if you are a vagabond. You are contributing to society. You're out there to see America. You're out there to spend money. You're out there to be a tourist and to, you know, do great things. And they're not, they're not there to harm your community. They're really there to add benefit by adding some income into your town that they wouldn't have already had. Yes. Well, what's that Christmas movie that the brother comes in the really run-down run RV to stay at his house? Oh my gosh, yes. That's <laughs> Lampoon's National Christmas, yes. Yes, and I think some people might have that picture, but no, this is not that picture. That's no, not- this is not that picture. Um, so, and we are we are a little protective about some of the RVs that we do have in. We They do, as I said, they have to be fully self-contained and we, there's one particular line of RVs that we don't necessarily put in just because it's easier to purchase that up front and they, they aren't as well maintained and stuff. So we really want to make sure, I mean, we have buses, you know, people renovate buses. Some of the renovations out there for RVs right now are just stinking amazing. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, we have people that come when, when the borders open back up, one of the really fun things that we love is that we have a lot of people coming from all over the world who work with travel agents to rent an RV. And so they're super excited to come from different places in Europe and Asia and Australia. And they're coming over here, renting an RV and spending two, three months on the road and visiting all of the, you know, our hosts in addition to some of our national monuments. And so it's really a lot of fun. We get a lot of overseas members who come in for, you know, two, three, four months at a time to have vacation here. So it's kind of fun. That is really cool. So talk a little bit about um, how do you apply to be a host? So you go to our website, it's Harvest Hosts, and that has an S on the end, thorough, H-O-S-T-S dot com, and then forward slash host, S-H-O-S-T-S. I'm sure you'll put a link in the show notes. Um, And if you do decide to apply to be a host, you can contact one of us and we can answer any questions that you have, but make sure that you put Michael's name in the referral box 
um, because you know we're going to give him credit for all anybody that comes into our program because he's been such a huge help for helping us to um, market Harvest Host and he's been such a big, big advocate for us so we're really happy with that. But they just go there, they fill out the application and then Jenna or Dawn processes the application and sometimes they'll send you emails and say, hey, we have a few more questions or can you add some more pictures, something like that. It's a, it's a, it, the application might take you 15, 20 minutes to fill out. And it's just, you know, tell us about your social media. Tell us what you have as far as amenities on your property. Do you have a hiking area that people can go hiking? Do you have a farm area, or not a farm area, but a sitting area where people can sit at picnic tables and eat? Do you have a you pick area where people can go pick their own, you know, strawberries or vegetables or whatever? So we do ask some of those kind of questions. You have to fill out those kind of questions. Don or Jenna processes the application and then it moves into, they, they'll send you back an email. We can typically have you on the website within a week or two and you will start getting calls immediately, probably. So we send out an email once a month to all of our members, letting everybody know what the new host that we just added in. And that's when you really see when that email goes out, people are like, oh, look, we have somebody from Nebraska. We have somebody from Ohio. And they start looking at all those different locations and they fill out the paperwork or fill out the reservation request and, and send it in. Very cool. Hey there, podcast listeners. Did you know that we have a free toolkit called the Profitable Farmers Toolkit? In it, we have some of our best suggestions for things like setting your farm up the right way from the start, setting up your financial systems and apps that allow you to track your business and know where you're making money, tools for the greenhouse, field, and washing shed that last, increase your efficiency, and save you money, innovative apps for farming, weather tracking, and business management, and how to use automated systems so you can focus on the more important tasks in your business. So if you just go to growingfarmers.com forward slash learn, it's the top resource. You can download it for free. Did I say free? I did. Go check it out. 35 pages of awesomeness all about how to farm better. So, and then after you apply, people get the emails and then do you have like a specific time they're supposed to arrive or is for the, or just it's a kind completely, of, it's completely yeah. up to the host. So this is your business. And so we want you to do what really makes you comfortable. So if you only want, if you only want members Monday through Thursday, because Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you are super busy with regular customers, then you just select that you only want visitors on Monday through Thursday. If you want them to arrive by a certain time, then you pick that time. This is your business. We want you to run it. And we want Harvest Hosts to fit into your business. This is not, you know, we don't want this to be a lot of extra work for you. We just want it to, to um, come alongside of you and help your business. Yeah, support the business. Yeah. So anything new and exciting happening at Harvest Hosts? Ah, yes. We have a new request to stay system that's coming. Our tech team is working really hard on that. And that will give... A really right now we ask our members to call the hosts and ask if they have space or email or text and this will offer them the option to go online they'll automatically be able to hosts will be able to plug in their calendar and put what days that they're available and members will be able to see it without contacting them click and the request to stay the host will get an email and the email they'll just be able to approve, ask for more information or deny the stay. Maybe they just had a wedding get booked and so they can't stay that Saturday. And um, so it should make life a whole lot simpler, a little less time consuming for our hosts. So we're super excited about that. 
So that will make it almost like an Airbnb experience where you really don't have to then go ahead. It's, it, it removes the physical interaction until they actually arrive, unless you want to get back in touch with them. Correct. And I mean, if they want to, you know, certainly we want to have that communication if they want to interact with our members. Our members enjoy interacting with our hosts. So that's a lot of the part is that interpersonal, you know, relationship that they get to have with them. So I think it'll be fun, you know, to interact with them. But if they are, maybe they're super busy and they're harvesting and they don't have time, they can just say, hey, park over here. We'll leave a spot for you. And the farm store will be open this time. Go in, pick what you want, and we'll work on that together. Very cool. So I one thing, one of the reasons we do this is obviously we work with farmers all around uh, the U.S. and Canada. And you guys are only in the U.S. now, correct? We're in the U.S. and Canada. Okay, so North America, yeah. And we just see so many farms. This is just one more way for them to get a steady stream of customers during the growing season to their farms, and it's just it's a win-win for everybody. Um, because you know, one of the things too about farms is they're usually so peaceful, and there's so much to offer. Just getting people out to see nature and seeing how farming happens. Because we, as a nation, do not know where our food comes from, and so any way we can get more folks on the farms to see that, and a way that people don't feel like they have to have facilities and don't have to stand there for a tour and all that. Again, if they want to, they totally can, but this is a way where they basically bring their own little self-enclosed house and they can still check out the farm and purchase something. And uh, again, it's amazing. Again, it's amazing to me, the people that have gone through this, we've talked to some of them and seen just how much they are making off of this. This is actually a solid source of income for these farms. As long as you have products for them. So um, do you guys give any like, um, like suggestions or like fact sheets on that? Like, you know, here's how the best way to set up a store or anything like that, or, or set up products. We don't actually have that. I mean, sometimes we'll talk people through that. Mm-hmm. We have a couple farmers that don't have a lot of product themselves, but what they have done is they have worked cooperatively with their neighbors. So one neighbor is providing all the eggs. Another neighbor is providing, you know, meat, a different neighbor is providing produce. And so they all come together to create the farm store. And so then not only is it benefiting their farm, but now it's benefiting two or three other farms around them. So it's really kind of fun to see some of the creative ways that our farmers have, have gone out and added some of that stuff. And, you know, if you go to an alpaca farm, you might have alpaca socks and different kinds of yarn and kind of stuff like that. So a a lot of our farms already have some of those products in place, but certainly, you know, if you want to help us create some of those ideas, we'd love to have that, Michael. You can help us come up with some brainstorming on how to get these farmers to have some products. That'd be great. So I recently just signed up for a new online uh, selling platform. So right now we're really focused on just the wholesale of our mushrooms because we don't have our store open. So we don't want a lot of, you know, cut daily customers coming out to the farm. And um, they did a really good job of like, here's exactly how you do your product description. And here's how you, you know, this, all this stuff. So, you know, when you start talking about, you know, the online store, it'd be really cool to create that resource. And yeah, we should definitely talk about it for, you know, people that are thinking like, okay, I want to do this, but I'm not sure how to set this up. So, okay. So here's how to set up a simple store you know, here's how the best ways and here's the kind of products to put in that. Um, Because again, the thing is, I think so many farmers, one of the things that farmers markets have conditioned farmers is, is that you have to sell only what you produce. 
But I like to see farmers as someone who is really introducing folks to a wider range of all the different local awesome foods that they are in contact with. Because as a farmer, we know all the other farmers. And one of the hardest thing for farmers is the marketing side. So if we find a customer, we want to be able to share with that customer as many different awesome farm products that we can get for them. And that's why I'm really a fan of this farm store, you know, doing the online stores that people can literally share all the different products. Yeah. And, and again, like I said, some of our farms have definitely worked together to do that. Whereas they might not have eggs, but the lady down the street, that's all she does is chickens. And so she wants to sell eggs and she doesn't want to take them to a farmer's market. So she'll put them in the store, the farm store for one of our hosts and she gets the benefit. Our host gets the benefit and it all works out great. So yeah, I'm a big fan of cooperating and working together to make, you know, things like that work better. Yeah. So Lisa, thanks so much for coming on today. Um, anything else you want to share with the folks? Well, just for anybody, just in case an RVer happens to hear this, let me tell you a little bit of statistics that we have. We have right now, we currently have 450 farms as part of the program across the United States and Canada. We have 554 wineries, 191 breweries and distilleries, 311 museums and other attractions. And those might be, we have skydiving and underground caves, um, railway, aeronautical, tractor, truck, transportation museums, a quilting museum. We have a few exotic and endangered animal farms. We have dollhouse toy and dinosaur museums. We have um, lots of science and history museums, which are a lot of fun. We have some veteran museums, Indian museums, cultural kinds of things. Uh, John Schneider from the Dukes of Hazard has his property. You can go see some of the, uh, the, the cars from that show, which is kind of fun. We have peanut company, an alligator farm, Cajun swamp tours. Um, you're in Ohio. Are you familiar with Dare Dutchman? Oh, uh, yeah. Dare yeah. Dutchman is part of the program. So they, we do have some restaurants and um, so people can go and have restaurants. We have some Amish places. So lots of different kinds of properties. So we're, we're very open to having different kinds of things in addition to just farms. We love farms and farms are providing our food for our country. And that's the best thing but we also will, are open to some other things too. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on. And again, harvesthosts.com. And then just when you're, if you're signing up as a farmer, use my name or Growing Farmers, one of the two probably works. Um, and we'll have the link obviously in the show notes too. So you can just go to the show notes and click over there too. But Lisa, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate the time and uh, super excited about this opportunity for farmers to add agritourism to their farms. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate all your support and it's good to see you again. Absolutely. Hey, Thriving Farmers, where are you on your Thriving Farmer journey? So if you go to our website, growingfarmers.com, you can click on the assessment button and that will take you to a form, ask you a few different questions and that will help you figure out where you are on the five stage thriving farmer journey. And what that does then is kicks you a customized PDF that gives you resources to know exactly what to focus on next in your business to go to the next level. So go to growingfarmers.com and click on the assessment. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael here. And next week on the podcast, I want you to join me as I chat with Jackson Holt, who is the farmer at Phoenix Farm in North Carolina. So Jackson and I have a great discussion on balancing work and family life, as well as deep diving into carrot production, which he's pretty well known for in this area, producing large amounts of carrots in a small scale way. So join me next week as Jackson and I discuss all things farming. Thank you.
there you have it. Another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com. 